to read something to you. How many of you know it's, it's Halloween? It's Halloween. You're going to see people dressed like witches and warlocks and, you know, goblins. Why are you doing that? Let, let me read something to you about Halloween. The celebration of Halloween, also, know, also known as Witches' New Year, is rooted in an ancient pagan calendar which divided the year into summer and winter by two fire festivals. Before the birth of Christ, the day we know as Halloween was part of a Celtic feast of Samhain. This feast was a celebration of Druid priests from Britain and France and commemorated the beginning of winter. It was a night on which the veil between the present world and the world beyond was pierced, according to them. The festivals were marked by animal sacrifices, offerings to the dead, bonfires and recognition of departed souls. It was believed that on that night, demons, witches, hobgoblins and elves were released en masse to harass and to oppress the living. For self-preservation, many Druid priests would dress up as witches and devils and ghouls and would even involve themselves in demonic activities and thus make themselves immune from attack. In direct response to this pagan tradition, the early Christian church moved a festive celebration called All Saints Day from May, November, or rather from May to November 1st and renamed it the October 31st All Hallows Eve. All Hallows Eve, from which we get the word today, Halloween. This was an overt attempt on the part of believers to infiltrate pagan traditions with the truth of the gospel. So the church at that time tried to do something. They tried to invade uh, this secular holiday uh, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So it was a bold evangelistic move designed to demonstrate that only the power of the resurrected Christ would protect men and women from the destructive ploys of Satan and his minions. This was a time in which they boldly proclaimed the marvelous fact of the resurrection and the lordship of Jesus Christ. Today, post-Christian America should do no less. Halloween can be for us. Like the early Christian church, it could be an open door for evangelism. The deception of Halloween with his witches, demons, skeletons, and allusions to death can become a powerful springboard to demonstrate the, the dramatic power of Christ to redeem us from death, to fill us with his spirit, and to give our lives meaning, purpose, and direction. One of the things we can do is we could use Halloween as an opportunity to communicate to our children, our family members, and our friends that although death and the grave are very real, we are more than conquerors over the powers of darkness through Jesus Christ. Second thing we could do is we could celebrate all of the saints that have gone before us and remember their lives, remember what they have done in life. Third thing we can do is we could teach our children, read uh, you know, Christian novels and, and Christian bits of history to, to let them know the truth versus the fable. So Christians, this is a time uh, not of avoidance, but it's a time to seize the moment. Death Demons, pain, and suffering are real in a cursed creation. All of us have to struggle with these things, and so will our children. So it's not a time to be glib and, and superficial. It's a time to build intimate and lasting relationships with those whom God has entrusted to our care. This is a time to reach them and to nurture them in the rich traditions of the Christian faith. This was written by uh, Brother Hank, Hank, Hank Hanegraaff. Say that quick three times. Hank Hanegraaff, he's the Bible answer man. I don't know if you've heard him on TV. So he was uh, writing that. I said, you know, let me read uh, an excerpt of it to the church so you could uh, not run away from this, but be able to share the, the Christian vantage point. Because today, and probably yesterday and Friday, I saw them all dressed up uh, uh, with lots of blood in their face and, and with knives through their head. And, you know, they're going to have a good time because they don't understand what the Druids experience during that time. They just know the celebration of it. They don't know the reason behind it. So let's teach them. You know, the fact that even though death is real, but guess what? Jesus rose again. He defeated death, hell, and the grave. Amen. Hallelujah. And, and he is our Lord and Savior. Are you uh, open at First Peter chapter 2, verse uh, 4 and 6? Let's go to the first one. So for those of you that don't have a Bible, let's read this from the New King James Version. 
coming to Jesus as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also, say with me, you also. also. Notice it called Jesus a living stone. Later on you'll see he's called the center stone, the main stone, the cornerstone. But we're also living stones like him. He says, as living stones, we are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable through God in Christ. Now, let me, let's go to the next um, slide. And here's uh, the Living Bible. I liked what it said, so I just wanted to reference that. It said, now you have become a living building stone. So we're not just stones. We're living stones. We are living building stones. So we're, we're stones meant for building. Yep. Say to never, are you aware that you were meant for building? <laughs> so you have an anointing to build. That's why we're so creative in nature. That's why if we see a desolate place, immediately we see a nice house there, a nice patio with a swimming pool over here. It's amazing. We, from nothing we can create stuff. Yep. God made us that way. Mm-hmm. We are living, building stones for God's use. Hallelujah. Notice what it doesn't say. It says we're living stones. It doesn't say we're living bricks. There's a difference between a stone and a brick. Brick. Now, you know what I appreciate about a picture? A picture really can, can portray a hundred words easily. This brick will look just like the other brick. This brick is the same dimension, the same style, the same build, the same material. As its partner brick. Isn't that interesting? There's no creativity there. Uh, let me see the partners. There are the partners. Right there. The partners. There's Joe, Larry, Curly, and Mo. But you wouldn't know it though. You wouldn't know it because they all look alike. They're the same. Same dimension. Same look. No difference. No creativity needed in this place. You just need to just be there. Now, all of them are fulfilling a vital function they're very utilitarian in nature but you know it's, there's no difference there there's no creativity one thing i love about them is even though you see their face behind the scenes there's a lot of work being done because this brick is actually working harder than what it looks like is working the, the the center part is working but also the north the south the east and the west is working but you don't see that the back part is working but you don't get to see that so bricks work very hard but they all do the same same, same thing there's no diversity there. Same thing. No difference. But God didn't call us living bricks. He called us living stones. Let's go to the next slide. And don't you be sliding before me, all right? So here's a... Don't worry about what it says in the, in the center. This is a stone. And you know what I like about it? It's different. It doesn't look the same. It could be shale, could be. It could be something else. That's what I love about it. It could be a different color. Stones come in all different types of sizes, shapes, and colors. Look, look at the uniqueness. If somebody would say that that looks like a face, right on the top and on the, on the, on the what is it? The, the, the west, north, the northwest. The northwest looks like a face. The Midwest looks like waterfalls. Over on the east. I don't know what in the world it looks like. <laughs> but the point is, it's diverse. You could observe that for weeks and find out different nuances about that. Really. You, you could look into it. You could break it. And inside, it will expose history. Because these things took, these things took a long time to build. It took years, sometimes 10,000 years, to create one of these. They were formed... Throughout many, many, many years of pressure and water and damage and explosions. Master wall builders, master stone wall builders, they understand stones. They respect stones. They don't don't play with them. They respect them. They go to specific quarries, which are places where they can actually find different types of stones. And they ask, let me get a big block of this. Let me get a big block of that. And according to their density, according to their strength, according to their creativity, they'll use them in different parts of the wall. Because everyone has a different strength, a different ability, a different creativity. 
Then they'll take them, these master stone builders, and then they'll look at it. And they'll say, okay, where can this thing fit? And then they'll start chipping it away little by little until they get uh, an idea of what it's going to look like. They say, okay, it looks like where it should. Then they'll fit it on the wall. Say, nope, not yet. They'll take it back off the wall, chip it a little more, put it back on the wall until it fits just right in that specific place. But what I noticed about it is it fits in that specific place, but it won't fit in the other place. Let's go back a moment. Could you do a reverse? Do, Do me a reverse. I could take this brick from here and put them here and they'll fit. Yes. I could put them there and they'll fit. Yes. Put them down here and they'll fit. They'll fit anywhere. Mm-hmm. Okay, back forward. But this stone doesn't fit just anywhere. Right. It's necessary, but it has to be identified, or the, its place needs to be identified. And the only one that can identify is the one that sets him on the wall, the master stone builder. Right. Well, some of you are starting to get this. I haven't got to the point yet, and some of you already say, oh, Jesus. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm going somewhere with this. I'm actually going somewhere with this. I'm not preaching about, oh, yeah, hallelujah. Love technology. Okay. <laughs> Northwest. I still don't know what in the world this is. So we need to understand that God called us living, building stones. And once it's put in its place, it looks something like this. Next slide. Thank you. You ever seen something like this? You know, we enjoy that. We'll sit on the top. You know, we'll look at the, the beach or maybe that's the higher part of the city. So we just sit there and see the lower part of the city. These things protect uh, the people living here because the ground above will not be able to roll over and, and, and kill them in a mudslide. It also helps you uh, to be able to keep communities in place. Walls do a lot of things. They protect Walls uh, uh, help uh, to erect a place that can separate you from the outside. It can create living quarters. It could, it could create a house for you. How many of you would like a stone face in front of your house? My wife likes stone faces. Sometimes she passes. You know, sometimes we go to different towns, just look at the front of the houses. We like them. Brick houses, very utilitarian. And people like brick houses for their strength. Although today you have to be careful. Because today, many times, it's just brick veneer. It's not real. They're just creating the image that this is a brick house. Solid. But they don't hit it too hard because the thing will fall right off. Because <laughs> it's inside of it. It's only like a little piece of brick. And then inside is just wood. Don't let them lie to you. Just the other day, we had a situation at the building I manage. And we found out that a brick face as part of our building uh, structure and facade, when it came off, we realized that it wasn't a brick. It was a thin piece of brick. It was a real brick, but they had cut it to cheat. They, they should have taken the whole brick out, then set a whole brick in place. They didn't do that. So what happened was, during the freeze-thaw cycle, winter-summer, when the, the hard rain comes in, it seeps through the little holes, and crevices, and remains there. The moisture remains there. And then when it freezes, the ice, it goes like this. And it pushes brick out. And that becomes a very dangerous situation because if a person's walking by and a brick suddenly cuts off from its foundation, it can hit the person and kill them. We know that to be a fact because I think it was, if I'm not mistaken, the 70s or the 80s, a young lady was passing by Columbia University, a brick hit her in the head and killed her. So there are laws now that protect uh, from contractors like this. So the point I'm making is that there's a difference, strong difference between bricks and stones. We are living stones, building stones. Can you see uh, the the one, the previous one, where in place? You see it? I'm trying to let them see where. Put that back, man. Okay. You're giving my message away, dude. All right. It could be this one, it could be this one, it could be that one right there. But the point is, the, the point I'm making is that every single one of these are very vital and important. Now let's go to the next one. There you go. You can find stones in the beach. You can find smooth stones underneath lakes. All of these stones have gone through a process. The Bible calls us living, building stones. 
Over there where it says smooth stones, these stones have been underwater for a very long time. And water has passed by them. Water has passed by them for years, sometimes a hundred years, to create a, a smoothness around it. Initially, when it came off of the mountain and rolled down into that particular place, uh, that river or that lake, it was jagged. And after a while, the water keeps on passing by. So it creates a smooth effect on the stone. And that's how God works us. He chisels us from our old life. Amen. He cuts us out of our old life. He takes us out of a past where we were set into, and then he puts us through a process. How many of you right now are in the process? How many said, you know, before I came to Christ, everything was okay, and now that I'm in Christ, it's more difficult. I'm experiencing more problems. Uh, you know, the uh, devil's been after me lately. I don't know what in the world's going on. You're deceived. Because when you were out there without hope, when you were out there, problems were happening, and you were just so used to your mess, but now you're in Christ. And now you've been made alive. So now you sense the things around you. Before you didn't sense them, you just went with them. God puts us through a process. He starts by the washing of the water of the word. By the washing of mentorship. By the washing of your decision to now come in to a different community. This stone here wasn't here all the time. It used to be part of a mountain. It used to be part of another community. But it didn't look like that. It looked a lot different. So as it rolled down and as water kept on passing through it, it started taking a, a more lovely form. Another thing that you can notice about this, how many colors are here? How many would you estimate? Huh? 20? 10? But you know what I appreciate about the, f the fact that they are? They are diverse. Many colors in a community together, being washed and cleansed and, and creating a vital function in that river because this helps to clean. Are you aware that there are stones that as water passes by, the stone will actually take the poison out of the water and will filter it? You aware of that? We have a similar anointing. We can go to people and help them remove their, tox their toxicity in life. We have an anointing to help people get rid of it. And what I love about the anointing, it doesn't go in us. It just goes to the sea of forgetfulness. <laughs> Hallelujah. You have an anointing to help to cleanse others. And this is what both blesses me and concerns me about the body of Christ. Let's go back a couple of screens, back to the, back to the brick. Let's go to the, the company of bricks. Many churches act like that. What do I mean by that? Everybody wants the same thing. Everybody does the same thing. Either, either you put me to do that or I, I sit down. I want to do that. Everybody wants to be the pastor. Everybody wants to preach here on Sunday. Everybody wants to do the, the main worship. Only main worship. I'm not going to do no other thing than main worship. God called me to do only main worship. And if they don't get it, they don't do it. It has to. But No. It, this, this, is, this doesn't work. God did not create that. And yet sometimes we prefer to be this. You know why? We can hide. We don't have to show our gifts. Everything's, it's almost like bland, you know, no creativity there. God is creative. How many of you have seen God's creativity? Have, have you ever seen programs? I don't need to go to the deep sea anymore to find out what's happening. I got people going to the deep sea and they're taking pictures of what's down there. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever seen some of those aliens? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Man, this world has such diverse life. It's amazing. It's awesome. They've got fish with eyes that, that are not just here. They go there. Then the other eye goes that way. They're all over the place. And you over here, they go like this. And it sees you and it's fishing this way. Amazing. There are fish... That if you get close to them, they'll blow a whole pint of purple stuff at you. There are the fish that glow in the dark. Have you seen them? There are fish made of jelly. You poke them and they go... The same God created them. Our God is a God of creativity. 
And this is how he created us. We are diverse in nature. We're awesome. We're, we're special. But this world wants to look this way. And when you try to share your creativity, they want to shut you down. They want to say, no, here's the way we got to be. How dare you share your creativity? Well, not in the church. God said, I want you to let your light shine, your uniqueness shine, your creativity shine. Don't try to be like somebody else. I didn't make you a brick. I made you a living, building stone. You're supposed to be different. I made you different. Amen. This side is clapping. This side is going, huh? All right, let's go back forward to the company of stones. All right. Yeah, no, that one, that was right. The company of stone, that. So you see there's all different diversity. The Spirit of God gave some in the church to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, Sunday school teachers. He gave gifts of administration. You know, some of you are anointed. You can see everything. You say, oh, out of order, sorry. People say, what's the matter with you? You're always looking at, at that. Yeah, I have to. I, I just can't help it. This is out of order. It needs to be in order. You know, it's an anointing of God. Some of you, God will give the gift of prophecy to you. You'll have a dream, weird dreams, and yet in a week it comes to pass. Not everybody's going to do that, though, because not everybody has the same type of gift. There are people that have gifts of mercy. I think I'm one of them. Honestly, I think I'm one of them. I see, I'm always with the I bendito thing. I always want to help, you know. So my wife says, enough already, enough already. <laughs> But these are gifts in the church, and they're absolutely essential. Now, here's the problem. Go back to the slide before. If I pull this guy out of here, what will happen to the wall? It will weaken it. And this is how the church is. The church is like this. See how beautiful? Except he's not here. She's not here. The other one's not there. You know why? They're still thinking they should be acting like bricks. They got the wrong teaching. They received the wrong instructions. You're supposed to be like that. You're not supposed to be like the brick. Let's go to the next slide. Let me give you some principles there. The degree of the strength of the stone wall is contingent upon the strength of each stone. Somebody's already on the fifth. No, no, don't go so fast. Come on, don't be reading it quick. I see you speed readers. Or you uh, got it all next, next, so he could get out of here. No, no, no. You ain't doing that to me. I know you. Uh-uh. Second one. Second one. Second one. The weakest, watch this one. This was powerful. The weakest stone determines the limit and the weakness of the entire wall. That means, you know, you know how painful that is? That means I could be working at 95%. And because somebody's working at 20%, my stuff is weak. And that's so unfair. It really, really is. But it's the truth. It's the fact. Someone once said the chain is as weak or as strong as its weakest link. What does that mean? Okay, well, take the chain, real fat, big chain, tie it around a bike, nice, expensive-looking bike, go around the block, and if you only have one little weak chain here, all of them are, are strong, but that one weak link... You know where the, uh, the guy's going to come to steal your bike? He's going to go to the weak link, open it up, and take the whole heavy chain out, take the bike. Because the chain is only as strong or as weak as its weakest link. And this is what happens in the church. You know, you got 20 people. We got the reverse Pareto principle. You know what the Pareto principle is? 20% of your people, 20% of your business, 20% of church does 80% of the work. And that's what happens in many churches. Only 20% of the people overloading themselves, burning out for Jesus. And I don't know, I don't find that in Scripture. How many here want to burn yourselves out for Jesus? Amen, glory to God. Excuse me, that's not scriptural. We're all supposed to be doing our fair share. But when, when we have others that have taken themselves out, it weakens the ability of the overall function, whether it be church, whether it be business. How many of you have had to do more work in your businesses because they laid off some folk? Yes. Oh, joy. I just love more work for the same pay. Each stone depends upon the other sharing its portion of the load. 
That's also very important truth. It's not that, well, the one that gets the credit is the head of the department. No, not in the church. The one who gets the glory is God. And we share in the benefits and our people share in the results of ministry. Like, for example, the children's ministry right now. Our minister right now, she's going to hit missions full time. So she's going to be out of here many times most of the summer in Santo Domingo and other places, right? And we expect more ministers to come like that. That are not called to minister every single Sunday here. They're called to minister to other communities. But their strength is from this house. Amen. Right? So to do that, to release her, others have to come in and shore that part up. And what happens is each stone depends on the the other people sharing the portion of the load. Fourth thing, how is the wall built? One stone at a time. You ever see in a building, you're going downtown, you see a building, they start the brickwork? Yes. They take so much time on that first brick. Mm-hmm. Measure it, making sure it's level, making sure it's according to the specs. Because they don't just haphazardly build this thing, you know. They take their time. They measure it, then they put the other one next. And, and it's like the first row takes the longest time. And you see them, they're like two weeks just on the first row. And then next week you come in and the whole thing's built. Because it was so important that everybody get in their place. When they don't get in their place, you won't see it built. 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 And unless the Lord builds the house, we labor in vain. And here's the problem. Many of us in our lives, we are expending energy. We're expending our, our blood, sweat, and tears on stuff that 10 years from now, nobody's going to care about. Oh, I can't wait for Friday. Why? I go to Atlantic City on Friday. I know people like that. They live to go to Atlantic City. Oh, come on, Pastor, stop exaggerating. You know, people got to have a good time. Yeah, but 100 years from now, what are you going to be known for? Today we have a memorial. We want to celebrate Auntie So-and-so. She lived for Atlantic City. Mr. Trump will be showing up shortly to give the eulogy because he appreciated her so very much. (laughs) Think about it. What are we giving our time, talent, and treasure to? Are we honoring God with our gifts by the way who lent us those gifts so that we could be building living stones? Or are we spending all that energy in simple entertainment, waste of time, Are we spending all our energy in anger and in in frustration? I mean, some of us explode every week. We literally explode. Oh, I said, I'm upset. I'm frustrated. Every week, you're expending your energy. Instantaneous combustion all the time. What horrible way to live. Meanwhile, you could be giving that same energy to others. Blessing your children. Blessing your family. Taking what you know and sharing your gifts. Making a difference in life. Are you aware that Jesus gave us the gifts we possess today? And that one day he's going to sit with us and talk to us about what we did about those gifts? I'm, I'm, I'm giving you a moment here. because I mean, what I just said hit me. Everybody has to present themselves before the Lord. Alone. And, and guess what? That day you will not be able to, oh Lord, I'm sorry. You know, it was, it was uh, Theo. It, it was my wife. It was my husband. It, it was the pastor. The pastor kept me. It, it was the, the, the deacons. The deacons were horrible. It, it was my job. It was the boss. It was my children. My children. My children. You're not going to be able to do that that day. Because you know your heart will be exposed before him. Because nothing is hidden in his sight. All you'll be able to do is just sit there like that. Or bow the knee. Because every knee shall bow, the Bible says. Before the Lord. And your head will be low. And you will know, it says, my goose is cooked. Figuratively speaking. In other words, I don't have an excuse here. All the excuses that I used in life, I can't use them this moment. But many of us will go before the Lord and we'll, we will have our knee bowed before him. And it will be a, a time of joy because Jesus will say, I remember when you did this. See, you fed them. It was like you fed me. You visit that person in prison. It's like you visited me. 
You took care of that little one. It's like you took care of me. You could have hated here, but you decided to love. That's what I did on the cross. My son, my daughter. Hallelujah. They did you wrong, and you reciprocated, not in kind, you reciprocated with love. My God. And what a day of joy that will be for us. Mm -mm -mm. One stone at a time. In other words, somebody has got to take the time to start building some stones in the house of the Lord. God allows us to partner with people, precious people. They might be your friend today, tomorrow. They might be your disciple. Today they might be, you know, somebody that works with you. And tomorrow they might be sitting in your home getting Bible studies from you. And you might be helping to chip them, chip this, chip that. Because that's how God works for you know. He works through you as you share the word of the Lord. As you share your testimony. As you just love on them. As you encourage them. They're down. And all you do is put your hand around them. And just don't worry. Let's pray. Those are times when you're starting to form that living stone. Meanwhile, that was just a little bit. No, it was vital that you did that because they needed you to be there at that very time. And you're going to find that God's going to call you to minister people when you're not in the mood. Because it's more important to build living stones than it is just to be comfortable. You want me to say that again? Okay. It's more important for us to be building living stones than to constantly just be comfortable. I have no time for you today. How about Thursday at 5 o'clock? I have no time. Why? I'm watching La Novelita. I'm not Novelita again. All right, something else. Bottom line is, if something's very important to us, we'll make it happen. You know that to be the truth. If it's important, you will make it happen. If it's not important, you will find an excuse. Today is easy. Because we could take our phone. Ring, ring. Yeah. Sometimes I have to do that because I'm in the middle, middle of a meeting. I go, catch them later. Sometimes I'm in a board meeting. Sometimes, you know, oh, man, oh, man, how many times am I going to have to tell that person? I can't get this stuff fixed this week. Sometimes they, they call me ten times thinking that if I call them faster, I'm going to make it happen quicker. But sometimes, you know, it's ministry. We just go, ah, I don't care about that person. I don't love that person. I don't like that person. We've got to be careful with that. We have to be very, very careful. We have to become available. Especially the person needs ministry. I'm not talking about people that abuse you, that, you know, you know, there's leeches. You know, there's leeches everywhere. And you have to identify leeches. You don't want leeches on you. Because the leech will just grab onto you. You know, sucking the life out of you. That's not what we're talking here. You need to identify that. Good discipleship is like a mentor, teacher, student. They'll come to your house, they'll respect you, you give them the word of the Lord, and they respect your time. They respect you. But if somebody's there and they're there all the time, you've got to put parameters. But having said that, we all need to be involved in helping to form one stone at a time. What's the strength of a big group? One person at a time. Which stone is more important than the other? They're all important. Every single one of them. We cannot lose any stone because every time we lose a stone on the wall, what happens to the wall? Weakens. The beauty of the stone house is determined by how the stones are successfully placed with care and quality. So that means that if we're going to be master builders, we cannot be complacent as we're building stones. We have to give the best quality, our best time, we have to successfully place them. That's hard work. It's not easy. You have to know each stone. Form each stone. Know the nuances. What is your nuance? Have you studied yourself lately? I'm still learning about myself. But you know what I found out? When I'm willing to learn about myself, God will start showing things about me. He'll start showing me stuff. I need to be open before the Lord. Lord, help me. Help me. Oh, God, help me. I need to be useful in your kingdom. So help me to know myself. Because we tend to want to be like the flashy folk. You know? Kids want to be like the Madonnas of this world. Or now like the Lady Gagas. <laughs> really, they do. They want to be just like her. And they start off early. You see him at age 12, 13, 14, already acting and singing. Like, uh, you know, it's sad sometimes. No, I want to be who God made me to be. 
I don't have to imitate anybody. I am an original. We said a couple of weeks ago, you're an original. Do not die a copy. Hallelujah. So we have to take our time. We have to give care. Are you helping to mentor anybody? Have you modeled the love of Jesus to anybody? Do it with care. Do it with love. Do it with excellence. You ever been into a Trump building? You ever taken a cruise? Especially, you know, like good cruise ships. We always go Royal Caribbean when we go to a cruise ship. I mean, the moment we pass the stampede, you know what's the stampede? <laughs> when you're getting on, 2,000 people trying to get on the boat. As soon as you get into the ship, you, ship, you feel a release. <sighs> you go and says, how are you, sir? How are you, ma'am? Yes, what's your room? Oh, you're right up there. Don't forget dinner, and we're going to exercise later on. And wait till you get to Aruba, where we all snooba. I mean, they, they, oh, they're terrible. Oh, yeah, they spoil you rotten. They will spoil you right now. And, you know, and they do it on purpose. Such excellence. Hey, you never heard that commercial? Come on. You heard that commercial. You think you haven't? Uh, you need to listen to 1010WINS. <laughs> but think about it. They do that for what? For one week of your time. Nothing permanent. It's just a memory. It's just a, a moment of enjoyment. How much more should we be like that in the kingdom of God? Yes, and yet sometimes the least excellence and, and, and joy and I don't know, I don't know what it is. It's just we're missing that many times in the house of the Lord. So I think we're missing his heart. We're missing God's heart. Every person that comes in, God says, oh, I love, that's my beloved. That's my daughter. That's my son. I've been after her. I've been after him for so many years. I want to show him my love. I want to release what's in him because I don't only want to bless him. Uh, there are people that he's called to bless. And I can't do it without his cooperation. I say, okay, my people, bless him, mentor him, start forming him. And we are, oh, how are you doing? I mean, we just totally ignore the precious, yeah, I mean, I mean, we don't embrace sometimes. And it's sad. Not only are we supposed to embrace, but now we're supposed to invite them to our homes and start the process. Let them learn the word of the Lord. Share our lives with the brethren. And you know how that rejoices God's heart? <sighs> My God. Because he sees a lot further than we do. He sees that that person might be the next, I don't know, great administrator in a large church somewhere. Maybe he might run for office and become a godly senator or something. Maybe he might, from that moment, his life might turn around. He might become an awesome surgeon. That's what happened to me. I, I was a statistic in Harlem, I was almost murdered several times, but yet my wife's mom invited me to church. So I went there. You know why? Because she told me, listen, your father and mother are having problems. Go to church and have the pastor pray for your parents and watch how God's going to answer. So I went to church, not for me, because I was all right. Uh, you know, I'm okay. <laughs> I have no problems. I went to church for my parents because I wanted the church to pray for my parents. When I heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, I said, oh my God, that's for me. You mean God loves me? Then I realized, you know, wow, this, that message gives me hope for the future. I had no hope. Because when, when I was coming up in the 60s and 70s in Harlem, let me tell you, there was a lot of hate out there. A lot of gangs. And, and there were times I was beat up in the streets. I had a lot of hate. I had, a, uh, in Spanish, we call it rencor. I had, you know, grudges. But yet, the Lord tenderly ministered to me. And you know who he ministered to me through? His people in the church, in the local church. And from a nothing, from a nobody, God turned me around. I started to dream. I started to hope. I was the first one that ever got a high school diploma in my, in my house, of my family. First one that went to college. First one that got a master's degree. First one that got a doctorate degree in my chosen field. First one that's ever written a book. In other words, I had no patterns at home. To aspire more. It wasn't their fault. You know, they came to the United States. They work hard. I appreciate them. But they couldn't show me this aspect. But when I went to the church, I had a family that helped to push me higher. Have we lost that today? Are we just Sunday only Christians now? I did my part. I showed up once a year in Easter. Amen. Glory to God. No, that's not what it's all about. Jesus didn't die on the cross so he could just show up to church on Sunday. He died on the cross to release the greatness in us. I was, I was sharing. They, they, they tested me. You know, for those of you that know my testimony, 
they tested me at, at the school, at the Thomas Shortman Training Center this week. A group of teachers tested me to see whether or not they would accept me as an instructor in the union school. Just because I said thank you. Well, that's another, another time. And I shared the, with them one of the concepts that just blew me away when I was studying chemistry. And, you know, in order to fire up your boiler, there's chemistry that's involved. So I found out, I learned in the process, and now I'm going to be teaching others, that fire is an interesting thing. Fire is a combustion process that releases energy that was in existence thousands of years ago. Let me explain. A dinosaur lives his life, dies, goes in the ground, gets, gets sunk deeper and deeper and deeper throughout the process of time, now becomes a fossil fuel. After 10, 20, 30,000 years, whatever amount of years, we now develop the technology to siphon off fossil fuels from underground. Now we take this fossil fuel, we put it in the car. After, after we, we, we work on it, or we clear it up of impurities, it becomes gasoline. Now, once it goes into our car, what happens? Well, you, you run the car. No, this is what happened. The dinosaur had what you call potential energy within. The potential energy died with the animal. Now, here's what happens. The energy stayed there. It never died. It, it, it came off the ground as a fossil fuel, goes in the engine, and what happens? Through the process of combustion, we release the potential energy became kinetic energy, real, tangible energy. In other words, there's something that can release energy from an individual. The anointing of God can release the potential energy in each and every one of us. It's pent up. But you need something. There's a special combustion that takes place or, or releasing as it were. And I don't want to get too dramatic or boring to you guys, but I want to let you know that there is an anointing that will release the greatness within you, but it's only found in Christ. You can live, live your whole life and have those gifts with you and absolutely keep them pent up. And Dr. Miles Monroe said that the greatest, most richest ground is the cemetery. Why? Because people died and they put them in the cemetery and they died with all of their energy, with all of their strength, with all of their potential uh, to, to write or to sing or to preach or to teach. They kept it in them. They never released, them in, released it in their lifetime. Is that us? Are we going to refuse to give or rather to release our greatness? Maybe your greatness is prophetic. Maybe your, your greatness is just loving people. Maybe your greatness is taking care of children. But you're going to keep that? Because you want to be selfish? I can't do that. I have no time. You don't understand. I have a, hard, a big job. Uh, excuse me. We all do. We're all busy. It's an issue of priority. And living stones have learned what the true priority is. If the stones are placed in a haphazard manner, the house will not look its best. But even more importantly, the whole house will be in danger of falling apart. It's another problem that has it. We're just all over the place. No accountability, no structure, no preparation. We just don't care. Things happen, the house falls out, we go, eh, just as long as it doesn't fall on me, I don't care. You know, listen, I've, I've heard people say things like that. And, and, it, and it grieves my heart. Excuse me, today that building falls that way. Next week it might fall on your side. So if it falls, it already hurt us. Because it hurt one of the ones that the Lord loves. Amen. Next screen. We as living stones all have a part to play as God builds this house. Say to your neighbor, we all have a part to play. We all have a part to play. <clears throat> Tell your neighbor, you are important. First, uh, First Corinthians 14, 26. How is it, brethren, whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, a teaching, a tongue, a revelation, has an interpretation? Notice what it said. Each of you, we all have some to give. And since we only believe in the church, the Sunday church structure, we think, well, you know, I don't have a place to give. It's impossible. How many pastors can a church have? How many Sunday school teachers can a church have? But guess what? When you take it out, when you have an expanded view that God will use your home, that God will use you in the workplace, God will use you in the outside setting more than in a Sunday setting. Next. This cannot happen only in a Sunday service. Next. Acts 2, it says, so continuing daily with one accord in the temple, they were in the temple, daily, 
but they also broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness, simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. That's why churches aren't growing today. Because we're meeting in the temple, but we're not meeting from house to house. We're meeting in the temple, but you're not inviting your brother and your sister to eat. Okay, pastor, I'll invite you. No, no, that's not what it's about. I'm already in. <laughs> and don't get me wrong, I'll appreciate your food. There's a nice arroz con gandule, pastelito, pastele, yame, yuca. Oh, you know, I'm all right. You will make me very happy. Little rice and beans and, you know, and all that other good stuff. I'll be, I'll be happy, but I'm already saved. I've already been discipled. Who can we bring in? That's how, that's how her mom brought me in, you know. That Café Bustelo went a long way in drawing me in the house. And then she had Bible studies right in the house. I got ministered to powerfully before I ever went to the house of the Lord or the corporate gathering. I was being ministered to in the house of the Lord at, at Gwendolyn's mom's house. Next. Look at this. Acts 5.42. And daily in the temple and in every house. Uh, what does it say there? What's this here? What's that? What does that mean? What does every mean? What does every mean in what, what does every mean in in, in, in um in Aramaic? This one here. In the Greek, what does every mean? Every house. Have we been into your house yet? Oh no, 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 you haven't been to my house. I'm embarrassed. You embarrassed of what? Fine, okay, we'll give you two weeks, two weeks, all right. You can't fix your house in two weeks? Come on. Sweep it under the rug. I don't care. We raised three kids. I know what a mess is. People are looking for friendship. They're looking for fellowship. They're looking for a place where they could come in and, and make them feel like, oh, my God, I have hope. Oh, wow, it was wonderful being in the home. Look at this one, Acts 9. The Lord told him. Say that with me. The Lord told him. Lord. Now, now we got to be careful with this one because the Lord told him. He said, go to the house. He didn't say go to the church. He said, go to the house. Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street. Even give him the directions. Ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul for he is praying. See, God saw a man named Saul that had some needs. He was praying. So the Lord sent his servant to go to that house to pray for him so he could be filled with the Holy Ghost and he could be healed. And Saul became the great Paul. Why? Because somebody went to the house. (laughs) So Paul didn't get saved in church on a Sunday at 11 o'clock after the offering but before the altar ministry. Or in the Word Channel, 1045. After 15 minutes of raising an offering, the miracle offering. You know that one that if you give $1,000 and for a little lesser, a little lesser anointing for $100, you get blessed. But it's not as blessed as the $1,000. And then the $50, you, get, you feel like a little air in your face. No, this man didn't get paid. He just showed up at the house. He said, Saul, the Lord sent me here to pray for you because he's going to use you. You have no idea, but you're going to be used greatly in the kingdom of God. And he laid hands on him. The Bible says his blindness left him right there. He got healed. He was filled with the Holy Ghost. And from that moment on, Saul's life changed. In the house. It wasn't in the church. That's why churches today are not growing because we are not activating our homes. We're not activating our place in the wall. Hallelujah. Amen. Next. The churches of Asia greet you. Aquila and Priscilla greet you heartily in the Lord with the church that is in their house. In their where? What's this? In the Greek, what does house mean? Who cares? It's the house. It wasn't in the temple. You're getting it? Huh? 
in Greek and in Spanish. Oikos in the Greek. Casa in Spanish. I don't care. Just as long as you have some good rice and beans or something like that. A nice uh, Bustelo coffee and some fellowship and some Bible study and some prayer. I'll be all right. We've missed a great opportunity these last 10 years. My God. Lord, have mercy on us. How many people could have been saved today, set free, a new life, a new vision? But I want to say we didn't know. That's what I want to say. I want to say, you know, we just really didn't understand this. I I can't say it tomorrow because now we do. (laughs) We, 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 We appreciate Sister Rosa's house. Amen. But how many people can you fit in Sister Rosa? And Rosa, don't tell me you could put 100 people. That's not fair. It wouldn't be fair. But the church at Rose's house meets on Thursdays. Right now we could have 50 houses, 50 churches at so-and-so's house. And inviting our co-workers, inviting our family members. And we can have Friends Days right at home. We can have dramas right at home. We can have Bible studies, awesome Bible studies. You know, we have more than enough teachers here. We have a lot of teachers. Really, there's dynamic teachers in this place and ministers of the Word. I've heard some of you. You guys can preach better than me. Hallelujah. But we don't have a forum. You know, pastor never puts me to preach on a Sunday. I probably never will. It's not enough time. It's only 52 Sundays in a whole year. You understand my point? And when, when am I going to talk to you? If I don't have a, I've got to have some time to talk to you, to, to release you, to give you instruction. But we have more than enough places to preach. We have more than enough places to, to teach. We have the house. There it is. All were busy building the Lord's house, stone by stone. The stone is you and me, actively utilizing our strength and abilities to build the house of the Lord. The stone is opening up our homes, our businesses, our jobs. I know, I know a friend of mine who um, every day he has a time of prayer in his job. The two or three or four people get together and they pray together. Then they go back to their jobs. But they pray together. They seek the Lord together right at the work. And it blesses them. It helps them. Opening up the homes, small ministry teams during the week. Next. I think this is the last one. Can I say in closing? Is that right? Huh? After this one, there's one more? So I can't say in closing. Let me just read it to you. 1 Corinthians 3. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. He's the cornerstone. If a man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, straw, His work will be shown for what it is. Notice, what the Lord is saying there is that as we build our foundation, what's our foundation? The things we do in life. Everything we do. Excuse me, what have you done in the ministry? What have you done for the Lord? You might have done a lot for Fortune Fortune 500 company, yeah. You might have done a lot for your company, for your boss. But what have you done in the kingdom? Some people build and they use gold. Some people build and they use silver. Some people build and they use costly stones. But some people use wood, hay, or straw. And it says here, his or her work will be shown for what it is. Because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed. But notice how it will be revealed. With fire. What you do in life will be revealed with fire. And the fire will test the quality of each man's work. So all that we're doing now is going to be tested. Are you ministering? It's going to be tested. Are you, are you giving kindness? It's going to be tested. What is the quality of your work? Are you building with gold? Or are you building with straw? Well, what holds up better on the fire? Gold or straw? Because gold will melt. But the more gold melts, the better it gets. You know why? The dross or the junk, the impurities, come to the top. Whereas you burn straw, what does it become? Dust. So the same work that will create pure gold in some will literally be burned and it will not survive God's test on that day. I'm getting no amens now. They're saying, Pastor, you're preaching too long. (laughs) According to the program, you're supposed to already be finished. Well, my, 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 in that day, I don't say, well, Lord, I couldn't give him any more. I had to finish at one. <laughs> Straw will not survive. <laughs> what if he, if what he 
has, builds, survives, he will receive his reward. So there are rewards, you know, for what we're doing. If it's burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you? So wherever we are, we're building God's house. Wherever we are, we are God's house. We're bringing the anointing with us. So if you're ministering at church on Sunday, you're bringing the anointing with you. But it's not less effective if you bring your anointing at your home or in the workplace on a Wednesday or on a Thursday or on a Friday or on a Tuesday. And, and it's, 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 it's effective if it's English. What happens if it's Spanish? It's just as effective. What if, it, if it's another language? What if it's Portuguese? It's still effective. And last one. David said to his son Solomon, be strong and be of good courage. Do it. Do not fear nor be dismayed for the Lord your God, my God, will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you until you have finished all the work for the service of the house of the Lord. You know what he told him to do? Build a house. Build a house. Don't be afraid. So be strong, be courageous, and do it. He didn't say attempt to build it. He said, you know, another verse says this, be the man. Man up and do it. You know why he said that? He says, because as you're ready to build a house, you're going to encounter problems, issues, sacrifices. People are going to criticize you. Sometimes you might not have enough at the moment. You're going to have to go through challenges, but do it because God will be with you. Yeah, but I'm going through a hard time. God is with you. Yeah, but I don't have enough. Well, God is with you. And he's the owner of the gold and the silver. Unless, we, unless the Lord builds a house, the laborers build in vain, what are we building? Hallelujah. <clears throat> well, what are we building? Are we building? Or are we just, you know, tiptoe through the tulips with me? Are we just, you know, just, we're just going through life? In a, in a muddled haze. How's everything? Same old, same old. No, it gets excited. Once you start building the house of the Lord, it gets exciting. It gets exciting once you really start anointing. You know, when, when a person is stretched, they can never go back again. When the brain is enhanced, it's stretched, it can't go, ever go back again. And that's what God is doing. He's calling his people to allow him to stretch them. And God is saying that to us today. Why are you here? Well, he invited me. No, you're here because God wanted you to hear that. He wanted you to know how important you are and how vital you are in the wall, in the house of the Lord. He wanted you to know that you have an anointing that other people need. He wanted you to know that he wants to release from you that hidden greatness that's been there, hidden in its potential latent form. He wants your energy to be kinetic, functional, active vibrant ministry in the coming days. Hallelujah. Amen. I think this is the best message I probably ever preached. Hallelujah. Wow. Amen. I didn't make you feel good. I didn't just butter you up, but I shared with you God's heart. Hallelujah. Now what are you going to do with God's heart? First thing he wants you to do, he wants you to partner with him. But I don't know God like you do. Well, that's all right, because in Jesus, you become the same as me. When we come to Jesus, the Lord, forgive me, cleanse me, and use me. He will. He'll welcome you. When the prodigal son was coming back home all messed up and dirty, you know what the father did? He saw him. Yeah, that same boy that had taken all of the father's money and spent it on, on irreverent living. He saw the kid, and he ran to the boy and hugged him with all his dirt. He smelled like pigs in the process. But he hugged him because he loved him so much. So God's waiting for you. He wants to hug you. He wants to hug you. He wants to envelop you. He wants to fill you once again with your presence. You might not have felt his presence for a long time. But he wants to fill you once again to overflowing. Yeah, but I've been far so much. Well, he's been right at the door waiting for you. It's like yesterday for him. Hallelujah. What are you going to do with his presence? What are you going to do with what he's placed in your hands? Remember, one day we'll all go before the Lord. We'll all bow the knee. The Bible says, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. Will we bow in blessing or will we bow with a broken heart? Not being able to present to the Lord anything on that day. I don't want to wait for that time. 
uh, tomorrow, tomorrow. Well, that's, you know, that's foolish. Because when we say tomorrow, tomorrow, we're assuming that we have tomorrow. The rich man didn't have tomorrow, but yet he was ready to build his barns and he was ready to do all these things. And that night the Lord came to him and says, your soul is required of thee. Because you never owned your soul to begin with. It was a gift of life. Bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your kindness. And we thank you for the privilege that you give us to be your children and to be co-laborers with you. And you say in your word that we are co-heirs with the Lord Jesus Christ. What an awesome privilege that you give us the opportunity, Lord, to be able to utilize your gifts, talents, and treasure. You anoint us, Lord God, to help others. You anoint us, my God, to be able to disciple others, to build others up. Father, we thank you. Today I pray for your people that are here. I pray, Lord God, for, for this precious family, Lord God. They're yours. They belong to you. They're your precious sons and daughters, Lord God. And in my own way, my own stumbling way, I shared to, to the best that I possibly can your heart, Lord God, to them. Now I pray, O oh God, that you take it to the next level. Make it a reality in their lives. Open up the eyes of their understanding that they might be able to understand your heart concerning them and concerning what you want to do in them and what you want to do through them in the coming days. Activate your people, O oh God. Father, I pray that there will be a mighty awakening in the house of the Lord, a mighty awakening in the hearts and the lives of each and every person that is here today. Move supernaturally in their lives, O oh God. Show them the exciting prospect of being a mighty vessel in the hands of the Lord, O oh God. Glorify your name in their lives. And we'll be careful to give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen and amen. I'm going to close the service now. So I'm going to ask all of us to stand. But I'm also going to open up the altar. And if you require prayer, if the Lord has spoken to your heart, and you want to partner with God, you want God to use you mightily, you want that, that process to release the anointing that's been hidden in you, let me tell you, nothing better than that. When I came to the Lord at age 15, I had no idea who I was. But the Lord, He released the anointing and He continues to release things in and through me that I wasn't even aware of that I possess, that are in there, that God gave me. And not just for me, but for those that God will give me the privilege of ministering to. If you want prayer, as soon as I finish my prayer, releasing the service, please come to the front. I'm asked for the ministers and the deacons. The ushers, please activate. Come to the front and allow us to minister to you. And I'm also going to ask for everybody, as you um, leave this place, do so quietly. I don't want speaking, too much talking or chatting in the back. If you want to go downstairs, there's food downstairs. Uh, Vera has a nice place. Uh, you know, she has coffee and tea and, and, and nice things. So you can go downstairs and fellowship and, and just have a great time down there. But up here, I want ministry to take place. All right? So as I release the service, all of us, you can go downstairs and fellowship. And those that want prayer, please feel free to come up and we will minister to you. Amen? Lift up your hands in the presence of God. Father, I dismiss this part of the service and ask that you anoint, Lord, our prayers. I pray that you minister mightily to those, O oh God, that you have touched. And I, I, I say this verse to you, people. It says, If you hear the Lord... If you hear the Spirit of God, it says, don't delay. Don't say, okay, later. I'll get prayer next week. It says, don't reject this call. Come. Come and receive His love. Amen. So, Father, dismiss your people now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I thank you for the opportunities you will give us this week to be able to minister to family and friends and co-workers, my God. We thank you for it. We thank you. And one more thing before I close. I pray that you move mightily in this Tuesday's elections. Glorify your name. And I pray that you raise up godly men and women that will take their place in Washington, D.C. and in their local uh, Lord governance, O oh God. And take their place and serve the people, Lord, in righteousness. And Father, one more thing too. I pray that you protect our children today. I pray that you expose any evil that might want to uh, um, create any violence. Father, expose any illicit gang activity that would want to hurt our children. 
I pray that it would be a pleasant day and a pleasant evening, O God. Guard our children, Father, in the five boroughs and in New Jersey, in the tri-state area, throughout the United States. Guard us, O God. Keep us from any evil. We bind the hands of the enemy that would attempt to uh, release evil over our children. We we pray for your divine protection over our children, O God, as all these children go out and trick-or-treat. Father, I pray that they receive the greatest gift, my Father, saving faith in Christ. And we'll give you the glory, the honor, and the praise. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And amen. God bless you. You're-